You're listening to the Washington Weekly Review. I'm the Southeast Iowa Union's Kaylin McCain. It's the week of June 18, 2022. Our local stories this week feature city land planning, election miscounts, and Juneteenth. We'll get to the big picture before all that, but first, we've got a correction for the record. Last week's show ran quotes attributed to Camp Invention Director Janet Crawford. For the record, the director's name is Janet Conrad. We apologize for the error and have corrected it in our print products. And now, the big picture. Cash rent values for farmland are climbing across the state, according to a new study from the ISU Extension Program. Extension Program Specialist and Study Co-Author Ann Johans said the finding was expected. Historically, land values and cash rental rates do trend together, and that follows along with um, commodity prices as well, right? So since last fall kind of we've seen a pretty significant increase in both those things that have filtered into the cash rental rates as well. The study found a 10% jump statewide, the biggest for a single year since 2012. Adam Sylvester is a manager at Hertz Farm Management in Washington. He said the trend had similar causes but would likely level out soon. The main reason is a fairly severe drought in 2012. And that was kind of also, the the prices were also boosted by a boom in ethanol that started really in 2008, but ramped up through that period. Um, So that was the time where we started to see the the massive increase in land values and directly increase in cash rent. So it was was an unprecedented time in modern agriculture. Um, There was a lot of profit to be made during that time, but it was fairly short-lived. I think there's some indication in the land value right now that maybe we're kind of plateauing. I don't predict a decrease in land values for next year, um, but I think there's a lot of indication that maybe we're going to slow down. We're seeing interest rates continue to get higher. If they do, we might see the land value market level and then maybe some poor quality farms go down a little bit. Iowa Farm Bureau District 17 Director Lane Eads oversees the southeast corner of the state, including Jefferson and Henry Counties. He said the changes might impact farmers, but not consumers. I think what you're going to see is the biggest effect is going to be on the farming communities. We continue to raise record crop yields. We continue to overproduce and things like that. And our farmers are really good at what they do. So, you know, there's always going to be the availability of the food. Um, And then unfortunately, unfortunately, we have to look at the supply chain too, right? So our farmers only get one piece of the pie, and then you have the two or three others in the middle that ultimately either um, are involved in the um, retail end of things or the distribution piece, and those are going to have more of an effect, I would think, on consumer prices rather than farmland prices having an effect on consumer prices. That's the big picture. We'll be back with the local news after the break. Todd Hahn Construction is an award-winning custom home builder with a 28-year history in the greater Iowa City area. Hahn's goal is to build you the finest quality custom home while providing you with a positive experience along the way. It's one of the many reasons they've been named the Iowa City Area Home Builder of the Year time and time again. A custom home is more than just a house. It's the culmination of a dream and years of hard work. Todd Hahn Construction makes that dream come true by always putting you, the customer, first. For more information, go to ToddHahnConstruction.com. That's T-O-D-D-H-A-H-N Construction.com. 
The city of Washington is spending close to $8,000 on a land planning survey. City administrator Deanna McCusker said the move was the first step in setting up the property for a possible buyer interested in a six-acre portion of a 20-acre lot off of Highway 1. The reason we're moving forward on this now is someone has approached us with possibly buying part of this land for a project, so this is the next step to get that moving. The vote of approval was unanimous, but city officials were hesitant. Councilmember Elaine Moore said affordable housing was a priority for the 20-acre area. When we first put this together, we were adamant about adding um, affordable housing. And I don't know what's going in there, and I'm, I'm very willing to listen. But the whole um, goal for this property was to put a lot of... Um, different types of housing out there, and and I just want to make sure we're not losing our vision. McCusker said the buyer was not interested in developing houses, but would be compatible with them. There will be housing in addition to what this person wants? Yeah, that's why we're going to have a conceptual plan, so we'll have it laid out how, what these people are asking for, plus housing on the land. McCusker also said the interested party would be tax-exempt. Council members Isla Ernest and Steve Galt said that left them apprehensive. As you know, I'm very concerned about taxable things out there. So. It, was, it is not a taxable entity that's working. They're one five acres at, at a non-taxable base. So we just kicked ourselves right in the seat of the Well, that's not... Mayor Jaron Rosine said approving the survey didn't lock the city into selling the land. In the big picture, I think if we take a breath... If this isn't a good fit, we can still uh, change course. If council were to approve sale of five acres, potentially down the road there would be a way to recoup at least this portion of it. I feel a little better about our housing situation with the later on in the agenda. We have a plat for 31 lots. Before this came to us, we have the two phases of our other residential development that have been successful. If none of that were the case, I think I would be also with council and completely pumping the brakes. But before we know more about what this looks like, it's hard to evaluate it on all of its merits. Washington County's unofficial election results last week failed to include absentee ballots, according to County Auditor Dan Widmer. In preparing for the official canvas of last week's Washington County primary election, it became evident by way of such checks and balances that while all absentee ballots were counted and tabulated by the absentee board on election day, or election evening, information from the flash drive used to count the absentee ballots was not included in the results that were downloaded and forwarded to the Office of the Secretary of State. This resulted in the absentee ballot results not being included in the unofficial election summary results provided to the public. The absentee ballots didn't change any race outcomes. Every election margin in the contested races grew wider or remained the same once the votes were counted. The office has not yet specified a cause for the mistakes. Widmer said he was glad the error was caught before results were finalized on Tuesday. Upon learning of this issue and concurring with staff at the Iowa Secretary of State's office, my staff took immediate steps to properly correct the error and to communicate to key individuals what had occurred. We sincerely apologize for this oversight. We're also pleased to know that the checks and balances that are a part of the overall process are effective and ensure accurate results. We have proactively began a review of what took place so that steps may be taken to prevent a similar occurrence in the future. My office strives to conduct elections that are fair, legal, and impartial, 
and we will continue to do so in the future. Weedbear and Board of Supervisors Chair Richard Young said the issue was unrelated to paper jam problems reported by some counties using the same voting machines on Election Day. Some counties had jamming issues. Yes, I'm very aware we of that. did not have that issue here in Washington County. I just want that for the record. Absolutely. We did not have such issues. Advocacy group Washington for Justice spent this week celebrating Juneteenth, which coincides with Father's Day this year. Organizer Dan Henderson said it made more sense than celebrating for a single weekend. Last year was on Saturday, so it was kind of a natural thing to do an event on right on Juneteenth. But as the, the, the committee started talking about it, we started thinking about, well, let's, let's, let's do something on the 18th. But, hey, you know, we could kind of do a run-up to Juneteenth by um, offering a variety of activities. Instead of just one concert and maybe a few activities in the park, maybe we could do a little bit more around uh, presenting black Iowans who are talented and make a contribution to the to the state, and, and let's let's do some education through this process. Eventually, a theme for the week emerged. Henderson said the motto, Be Like Buxton, referred to a city in southeast Iowa that was ahead of its time on racial justice. That theme sort of emerged that Buxton, Iowa, as a both a metaphor and a historical fact, became kind of intertwined with a lot of what we were doing. Buxton, if you know anything about it, is was a community that was about half black, half white. This is around 1900 during the Jim Crow era. But they found a way to create um, equality and non-discrimination and no segregation. Uh, black miners and white miners made the same amount of money. And it was really a remarkable community given the time that it was in. Henderson said the goal of the week was to change the way people think about historically white communities in southeast Iowa. All of the things we're trying to do are to promote racial harmony, understanding, empathy, and and uh, and kind of a multicultural view of small-town Iowa. We're not that diverse yet in Washington, but we will be. I think people, particularly of the white majority in town, need to kind of think about consciously what kind of community do we want this to be as it becomes more diverse. Uh, It's not a negative message at all. We hope it will be a positive one and uh, kind of call us to our, our highest ideals. That's the local news. We'll be back with the best news I've heard all week right after this. Hi, this message spot remains open. If you're interested in getting your message out to our listeners, let us know by calling 319-653-2191. We'll take advertisements, birthday wishes, anniversary announcements, and anything else you'd like to share in 150 words or less. We appreciate any support. And now, the best news I've heard all week. The Washington Public Library's bear mascot has been spotted around town this week. Family Services librarian Jolisa Widener said the black bear was following the lead of this year's summer reading program. Part of our summer reading program, um, the theme is Beyond the Beaten Path, so the bear has left the library and uh, made his way, he's making his way around town. He originally came to the library uh, several years ago for summer reading as a library mascot, and now he uh, just decided to wander off and find other places throughout uh, Washington. 
Those who can identify the bear's location from photos on the library website can stop into the building for a small prize. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is property of the Southeast Iowa Union, which is owned by the Gazette. Call us to hear your message on the show at 319-653-2191. If you like the show, please share it with someone you know. It's informative, it's widely available, and it's free, but we need to grow our audience to keep it that way. That's all for now. This has been the Washington Weekly Review. I have been Kalen McCain. Have a great week.